This is Crime Connections. We're your host. I'm Jackie. And I'm Sarah. Today we will be talking about a case that is 41 years old this past April. At the time, it got a lot of media from the news. However, after reading about it, I believe this was yet another case that just wasn't taken seriously in the beginning. Now, let's get into it. On April 26, 1980 in Manchester, New Hampshire, Judy Ron left her 14-year-old daughter, Laureen Ron, home alone to go to her boyfriend's tennis game. After Judy left, Laureen hung around her neighborhood and invited two of her friends over. One was a girl close to her age, and the other kid was a boy, and he was slightly older than her. There are a few rumors that it could be anywhere from 15 to 21. It goes back and forth, but honestly, I couldn't figure out which one for sure because they With it being so old, I couldn't figure out. They hung out down the road at the local corner store, the Rosebud Superette, and ended the night at Laureen's apartment, drinking and just hanging out and listening to music. The Rosebud Superette was right by her apartment and was known to have looked the other way for underage drinking. Judy and Laureen lived in apartment six on the third floor of 289 Mermack Street in Manchester, New Hampshire. Laureen was a straight-A student at Parkside Junior High School, and she loved to sing and dance, and her dream was truly to become an actress. Laureen's aunt, Janet Roy, described her as a very outgoing, smart young girl. She was pleasant and happy all the time. We called her our love child because that's what she was. She was just so lovable. It was said that throughout the day, a few of Laureen's relatives would stop by the apartment just to check up on her, and they reported not seeing anything suspicious, I guess you could say. So around 11 p.m., she was back at the apartment drinking and hanging out, and around this time was when Laureen's girlfriend supposedly went to bed. Now, around 12, 12.30, Laureen and her male friend were sitting on the couch in the living room, and they heard some noises outside in the hallway. They assumed it was her mom and her boyfriend coming back from the tennis match, so the boy left from the back door of the apartment. The boy was quoted saying that he had heard Laureen lock the door behind him before he had even left. A neighbor did come forward later on saying that they also heard voices and they said that they had heard them, they heard the voices and then they thought they were going towards Judy and Laureen's apartment and then they just heard nothing. To be honest, I don't know how, how much you can take that just because you can hear voices I don't know. It could be someone's TV. It could be, yeah. you know what I mean? Like You, you don't really, have to thin the walls and doors in that place. Are. Yeah, like I just don't know if he could really tell exactly where those people, the voices were going, I guess you could say. Right. Judy returned home with her boyfriend at around 1.15 a.m. And Judy had noticed the lights in the hallway going up to the door were all out. She assumed maybe a fuse had gone out. Mm-hmm. But during the investigations, the cops actually had found out that all of the lights were unscrewed. That's weird. That's now, really intentional. Yeah. And now a lot of people have been saying about the whole light bulb situation is that some think that it may have been a teen being funny. It may have been Laureen making sure no one can see who's going in and out of her apartment. She was also reported with three supposedly older boys, which I feel like, honestly, how could you tell? She was like standing in the doorway drinking and three older boys were there with her. Okay, but here's the thing that's going to be the issue for me to believe that she would do that herself. You're going to take the lights out of a hallway where there's multiple other people living there. 
they're still gonna see you passing their doors. Yeah. So her taking the lights out, so what, it messes with visibility for like old lady down the hallway be like, oh, who's out there? Like, mm-hmm. no, like, I'm sorry. I can't believe that she would do that herself because. Yeah. What well, young and- girl wants it to be dark in a hallway? I know I don't, and I'm 23. <laughs> like Exactly, yeah. No, that's very true. None of this is provable, but definitely worth mentioning that rumors of people like thinking that it was a joke or maybe it was her doing it. Judy also noticed that when she got home that the front door had not been locked and that wasn't usual for them. They typically did lock the doors. So Judy and her boyfriend entered the apartment. Nothing seemed out of place. But when Judy's boyfriend kept going through the apartment, he had noticed the back door was wide open. Judy went straight to Laureen's room and noticed that it wasn't Laureen in her bed, but the friend that she had asked to have over, you know, prior in the day. Judy woke up the girl and asked where Laureen was, and the girl said that she had taken her pillow and blanket to the couch to sleep. Judy knew then that Laureen wasn't in the apartment. Judy couldn't think of where her daughter could be, so she and her boyfriend then began to go and search outside. Judy had a ton of siblings that were local, so they all began to help as well. And then it was about around 3.45 that Judy saw a patrol car and waved them down to tell them that her daughter was missing. So it was almost within hours that they said she was missing, um, yeah. that they let the police like know. Two which, and a half hours, yeah. Which is very uncommon, I would say, in what we've come across. Well, and moms know when something's wrong. Like, yeah, she, she knows her it. kid. She was a single mom. It was just her and Laureen. And she mentions even multiple times, you know, like, even on our way home from school, she was running late. She would call her before because mm-hmm. obviously texting was not a thing. She would call her before and be like, hey, mom, I'm on my way home. I'm running late. I'm sorry. You know, whatever. I'll be there soon. And unfortunately, the police didn't take it seriously. They thought Lorraine had just run away due to the fact that there was no sign of forced entry in the apartment and also because she was young. And in the 80s, they did not have any organizations or anything dealing with missing children because it just wasn't common they always just assumed they would come back yes the police asked her closest friends if they knew anything about her wanting to run away or if they'd if she had talked about it or anything like that and all of them said no but the cops have been quoted saying that they don't they don't honestly believe that they think that some someone knows something they're just not saying it to them she also didn't take any of her belongings i mean literally nothing the only thing that she took was what she had on her yeah, and that also kind of, like, throws a wrench in, like, oh, she... Just ran away. She just ran away, she'll come back, because as a young girl, things that are very trivial mean so much to you. Yeah. So what was the trivial things to her? Was it her, like, makeup, her nail polish, her hairspray since a it was A picture 80? of her dad. Yeah. Because she wasn't close with him, but she could have had that... Yeah. Those issues. So those things, things that were important to her would have been with her if she was planning on never coming back. For sure. And I don't know any 14-year-old that would just run away with nothing. Yeah, no money. With nothing? Like, come on. No extra clothes. But yeah, like I said, in the 80s, they had not yet established any organizations for missing children. Because of this, cops just didn't take children going missing serious. They always, like we said, thought they were running away and were going to come back. So with that, the police didn't launch a search party at all. Mm -hmm. Or really investigate it because they truly believed that Laureen was going to come back. And which is very sad because obviously, especially now, you know, within the first 24 hours, that's 
the most crucial time. Yeah, even sometimes the first few hours. Yeah. Like, it, it especially for really young kids, especially, like, it just depends on situations, but yeah. Yeah. Back then, they didn't, they, you're just like, they'll be back. They'll mm-hmm. call. Yeah. Exactly. And then parents never got a call or anything, and then, you know, we're telling this story 55 years later. Yeah. Or... 41 years later. 41 years later. She's 55. There were a few leads that came in, but ended up not going anywhere, such as an employee from the bus station thought he had seen her, but it turned out not to be her because they originally saw a older photo of her, Mm. which was something else that everyone was saying they were really mad about because they were showing a picture, a school picture, and apparently she doesn't look very much like herself. So it wasn't like a current photo? Yes. Okay, so yeah. How are you supposed to find someone if they... Which is why the bus driver thought it was he had sold her a ticket, but then he saw a more current because the police came back and was like, oh, that's not her, no. Okay. See... It's terrible. Yeah. If I were Judy, I would... First of all, if in any point in my life I go missing or you go missing, don't use the driver's license. I don't look like that anymore. No. Like, you need to use something like... Obviously, social media wasn't a thing back then, but the very last photo she was ever taken in, mm-hmm. that was, should have been the thing, not something, you know, when she was eight years old and now or she's a teen, yeah. early teens or whatever. Like, yeah, it was pretty bad. It took a few weeks before the police actually started looking at her as a missing child and more than just as a runaway. The cops started thinking she left the apartment with someone she knew or left the apartment to meet someone that she she was going to meet up with, up with hook yeah. up with whatever yeah just because like i said there was no forced entry and so they don't see the possibility of someone coming but like you said earlier who knows because if someone did intentionally unscrew those light bulbs they knocked on the door it's the 80s people are they're, they were didn't know as much about naive. things. They yes. were naive, and things were not as publicized. Everything was like, hush, hush, we don't want to scare people. Yes. It's like, no, scare people so they take the proper security precautions for their yes. home. Lorraine's mom did try and get help from the FBI, but unfortunately there was no evidence that there was a kidnapping, so they couldn't come out and join the case. But when she spoke with that FBI agent, he did recommend some ex-FBI agents as PIs, but they also came up with nothing. Judy even looked into psychics for answers. With little to no leads from the police, she thought this was a good way to go about it. And it was wild to read because even the police took some of the psychic's claims and investigated them because they were just so desperate to find something or to hopefully find something. And again, nothing came of that. The girl who stayed with Maureen the night she went missing was actually hypnotized later on to see if that see if she could remember anything. And again, nothing. So they're at a complete dead end. I mean, nothing is coming from this case. And unfortunately, Judy's just, you know, helpless. helpless. She can't do anything. Uh, November 1980, Judy opened her phone bill. And on October 1st, there were three calls placed in Santa Monica, California, all within 15 minutes of each other. Just to explain really quick, people who weren't, you know, live in the 80s. So you could actually use a payphone and charge an account that was connected to your phone with a pen, which I thought, like, I never even heard of that I, before. I didn't either. When I read that, I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, so that's because I was really confused with his with this phone call situation because she went missing in April. 
and these phone calls were multiple months after, Judy instantly thought that these phone calls were from Laureen. So she's thinking Laureen's in California now, and she goes to the cops and reports the phone calls, shows them the proof, and then the police started investigating on the numbers and who the numbers belonged to. Two of the calls were placed from a Santa Monica motel that, so they're placed there, and then she called, or whoever used the, uh, the account, called two other motels that were like an hour away from Santa Monica. And then the third call was to a teen hotline in which teens were able to call and ask questions about sex. When the cops called the hotline, you would speak to the doctor is who he was addressing himself as. And he denied talking with Lorraine, but the police from Santa Monica and New Hampshire both spoke with him and unfortunately didn't get any information out of him. He was not being cooperative. First of all, I don't think that there's a HIPAA signature situation going on, so why can't he help this family unless he's shady? Well, and not only that, but I the thing that I'm so confused with is why they have the evidence of the calls. Right. So why were they not allowed to go and get the address of this guy and search his house? Yeah. Like... I, I'm that's so well, confusing. That, and I'm gonna be honest with you. I really don't like that he calls himself the doctor. That's weird. Like, oh yeah, that's, I know. That's really weird. I don't like that. Like you have a name, be helping people. You need to go by your name, not the doctor. Like yeah, that just sounds pervy to me. I know. It's I know it sounds thing, weird, no, but like the whole it thing just is weird. Well, and I well, don't, and he's calling himself the doctor, and he's ca- having teens call him. Yeah. So Judy actually mentioned to the cops, her local cops, that she wanted to go to California to look for Lorraine herself, but the local police advised her not to go until after the holidays because they thought that Lorraine might come home. Because mm-hmm. she would have, what, never have come home before then? Yeah, exactly. She's going to show up for it's Christmas been almost and a get year, her Christmas present. Which, again, just makes me think that they are still thinking this is runaway. Months later, they are still thinking it's a runaway. Yeah. And they have the evidence of the phone calls and they're telling her not to go. I just think that's absolutely crazy. Well, I feel like if she's being held somewhere and it's not by her choice, her doing that was like a tip off to her mom. Yes. Like, hey, mom, I'm here. Can you please come help me? If it's pin wise, no one else is going to know their pin Mm -hmm. in conjunction with the phone number. So, and then I was reading about the pin situation because like I said, I never even heard of that. They were saying that, you know, sometimes your closest friends will know the PIN number because you're really... It's like your phone password. Yeah, like they'll just like tell a bunch of people. So if anyone knew the PIN, it would have been a close friend. And Judy was quoted saying multiple times, she knows no one in California. Yeah. Like at all. And I'm sure if it was one of her like close friends, they would have been like, hey. um, Sorry, I, I used it. I used it to call the pervy doctor. Yeah. Okay, maybe they wouldn't. <laughs> maybe they wouldn't say that they were calling to get sex education from a stranger on the uh, phone. Weirdo, yeah. But I feel like she would still be able to like pin down. Okay, I know this was my daughter's friends, and none of them have moved here. So mm-hmm. yeah, or run away, or yeah, 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 you know, whatever. Judy was also quoted saying that if she hadn't heard anything by Christmas, she would just go to California by herself because she was, you know probably sick and tired of waiting yeah she's getting nothing happening Mm -hmm. judy knew that ever since they had lived in miami when laureen was younger that laureen truly loved the warm weather and the possibility of her born in california was very likely 
Uh, it wasn't a huge stretch or anything, especially since Laureen had said before that she wanted to be an actress. Well, in California, there's Hollywood, which mm-hmm. almost everyone that wants to be an actress goes to. But even if that were all true, Judy couldn't believe that her daughter would have gone this long and just never called to let her know that she was okay. Yeah. Around Christmas, Judy began getting silent calls around 3.40 a.m. The phone had call forwarding to one of Judy's sisters, and when it was answered, the person on the other line would listen for a few seconds and then hang up. This would go on for years, which I think is so strange because the 3.45 time is coming from when she went, when she was reported missing. Right. Was when Judy had found the cops. Well, I'm wondering if there's like, obviously with time differences, um, New Hampshire to California, she could have been calling later at night on her time. Mm-hmm. Or, That's true. what I'm thinking is more, a little more sinister, is maybe the person that did this to her, that may have kidnapped her or hurt her in some way, is trolling the mom because mm-hmm. they do that to get like off on a- it. Aroused from it, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the th- other thing that I was very confused about is with all of these calls, why were the cops not looking into them? Well, yeah, you can trace them. And then you can be like, oh, okay. I, but, I mean, I don't know what the technology was in the 80s. I feel like you could at least figure out what the phone number is and what it's connected to. Right. Because every phone number is connected to someone, you yeah. know, to an account. So, is it a hotel? Is it a yeah. payphone? Is it someone's personal landline at their home? Yeah, because I'm curious with Star 69, because that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Are I'm assuming prank the calls person... and things. Yeah, I'm assuming the person was calling with, with something along the lines of that. Mm-hmm. so that their phone number couldn't be traced. But shouldn't you would think, which I don't know for sure, obviously, that a cop would be able to, like, figure that out. Well, and I feel like even if you star 69 like a normal, like if I would prank call you, you're not going to know. But if you submit those tips to the police officers, they can do, like, reverse stuff. I, now I know they can, but I don't know if back then they could, where they can be like, oh, well, it's this number that's calling you all the time. Yeah. Or this this fake number yeah. belongs to so-and-so. I'm curious if that was a thing. Me too. Because, like you said, the technology was a little... Obviously. Underdeveloped at yes. the time. <laughs> the other weird thing with these calls is there is no evidence of these calls in Lorraine's case. So, like, they didn't like, get no one added w- in or... Well, a police officer was actually, or a detective, was quoted saying, you know, it probably just wasn't ever added in, like, the notes from a whoever it was, because it was passed between a few detectives, Right. that it just never was added. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of a key detail that you should be adding, especially if it is, like, someone that's trolling the mother of exactly. a Exactly, and that's not the first child. thing that wasn't reported. Janet Roy, Lorraine's aunt, also received one weird call from someone asking for Mike, which was her son. But the really weird part about it was that no one called Michael Mike, Mike except for Lorraine. She was literally the only one in his life that called, and by the time he had gotten to the phone, it was dead. No one was so there. So I'm wondering, again, if this is like Lorraine being like, hey, I'm still here. I need help. Like, yeah, maybe she just was being like, I have chills. This is creeping me out. But like, maybe she was being held against her will and she just wanted people to know, like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm still alive. Because again, 14 years old, how far is she really going to make it without any money? I mean, yeah, she could have been employed under the table, but 
Yeah, and I know hitchhiking 14. was a huge thing. Yeah, but you're still 14 years old. You're not, edu like, education-wise, you're not fully developed to be able to tackle the real world. Oh, no. Um, in 1981, there were some reported sightings of her, but nothing was confirmed. Someone even close to her actually reported seeing her in Boston, but they found the woman and it was not her. Her dental records have been sent across the country, you know, to Jane Doe's yeah, and things yeah, yeah. like that, and nothing has turned up. Judy will even actually get calls and they'll ask her to come and see if they can identify a body. And But she, at this point... She might not even know what her daughter looks like anymore. Well, there were some very distinctive, like, scarring on her leg. Okay. They would come and have her look to see if, you know, the scar was there. And if it wasn't, obviously, it was not her. In 1985, Judy was able to get some help from National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in D.C. and Wings for Children in South Carolina. A woman from Wings for Children called the hotline and got a hold of the doctor and actually got some information out of him. He said he was a plastic surgeon and explained that girls would come to his house and visit his wife. And I'm like, what does that even mean? He said that most were from the East Coast, but one might have been from New Hampshire. Really? Like, they have- Like might? Like you do or you don't know? Yeah, like what do you mean you might? Or from he just i'm sorry he still seems extremely pervy oh. to me and why are these kids that he don't like if you don't know these kids why are they in your house and why are they coming to visit your wife yeah what is, is she just like some really great woman that just everyone wants to be around because i'm going to be honest with you i think he sounds pervy and i don't like him but he did say that the girl that may have been from new hampshire did come with an older woman and then they both just moved to new york like what you, you, I, I just don't even understand you I just don't understand because this guy has all this he says he admits that there was possibly a girl that came from New Hampshire and he possibly could have talked to her and yet the police did nothing to search him nothing to that just doesn't someone make needs sense to check to that me. man's basement or his backyard because you're you've already admitted that there's young girls that you don't know that have no business being in your house or going there to visit your wife do you even have a wife um, yeah. And then also, okay, so you've admitted that's happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's no reason for an underage girl that you don't know to be in your home. Everyone listening, please remember that. Unless you know them personally or you are their, your kids are their friends. Like, there's no reason for that. No. I'm sorry, you're not a miracle worker. There are agencies now, maybe not back then, but it's still, like, there's no reason. No, and, and if it's you're, weird. Yeah, it's so weird, which makes me think that he's a pervy. Like, yeah. No, I totally agree. And why was he not looked into? If he's He just admitted, girls that I don't know are in my house visiting my wife. Mm -hmm. And one may have been from New Hampshire. That should be alarm bells everywhere. Yeah, I know. And that's I, I literally don't get it. Was he... Because I have not found one single thing that they looked into this man and he was cleared or anything like that. And I feel like he's giving you the evidence to search he's, his house. Yeah, he's saying just enough to like keep himself involved but not get himself in trouble mm -hmm. and that is what every like we've seen it in tons of other cases you want to be involved just enough that you don't get in trouble but you still want to like be a part of it yeah and then they're the ones that actually did it so uh, someone yeah. needs to look into him if he's still alive mm -hmm. and you know he actually did give the name of the woman that moved to new york her name was annie sprinkle and that sounds fake <laughs> well annie sprinkle turned out to be a porn actress and her actual name is Ellen Steinberg. 
Uh, she became a certified sexologist and advocate for sex work. Sprinkle was contacted, but she never responded, which, again, if you're having this information, how are, I just don't understand how the cops aren't getting involved. Why is Judy going through all of this by herself to find her daughter? Right. And if you, okay, so we have that whole weird situation we just talked about with the doctor. And now he's saying that the woman he thinks came with the girl from New Hampshire is a porn star. That literally ropes me right back into my original thought that maybe whoever kidnapped her mm-hmm. was involved in the child sex ring at the time. And that if we really looked into way back when's, you know, child pornography, are we going to find Laureen in these yeah. videos? Yeah. Because that's what I'm thinking, you know, in my head. No, I mean, I agree. obviously no one go look for child porn, please. But you'll get in trouble. For sure. So listen to that statement right there. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering if maybe the FBI has ever, like, maybe looked into it. Looked into that because they have a whole unit that does, um, they have other podcasts. Uh, a dark ring or something like that mm-hmm. where they talk about like the whole FBI unit that literally sits there all day and just watches child pornography so that they can try to find these missing and exploited children to bring them back home. Yeah, and also I would assume they have like a face recognition type thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I would I would be very curious to know if they've ever tried doing that. Yeah, I mean, you already have her maybe hanging out with a porn star that's taken her from New Hampshire to California, all the way back to New York. Mm-hmm. Why is she being bounced all over the United States? Yeah. If you were meant to move to New York, you would have just hopped on the little train and go to New York. Yeah, why did you go to the doctor? Because he probably had to vet her to see whatever weirdness he wanted to go on for her to be part of his porn. Ugh. Okay. It's gross. That also never made it into Lorraine's case. See, that's, I think, a huge key detail that should have been. Anytime yes. a child is missing, I think you need to be looking into that. I mean, obviously, our awareness nowadays is, you know, we're more aware it's of very it. very heightened, yeah. But, and also, why is she not reaching out? If her name is tied to a missing girl, she should be doing that. And I, I don't mean to sound harsh, but, like, people that go into advocacy or um, trying to help kids that are in sex work is she feeling guilty did she Mm -hmm. get roped in somehow and now she's like trying to do a pay it forward type thing because there's a missing girl out there and she won't talk about it and i i'm not saying that maybe that's the case at all i'm not saying that but it is something to look into another thing that i would like to mention is reading about the cops going and investigating psychics claims Mm -hmm. or you know i don't even know what you would call it but you're going and investigating that. But you're not. But you have a man telling you that you po- that he saw, or that he possibly met with someone from New Hampshire, mm. and you have a call to his phone from Judy's account, and you're telling me you don't go look into that. I, I don't understand it. It like literally doesn't make sense to me. That really bothers me because it's just one of those. It's another one of those things where it's like let's sweep it under the rug because it makes people uncomfortable. And you know. The cops saying, or the detectives keep repeating, well, that never made it into the case, so it wasn't looked at. Why was it not made it in? How did it not make it into the case? You know what? Who didn't put it in? Who didn't put it in? And you, this this is the thing that I always love to say. Turn it into your own kid. Turn it into your niece, your nephew, your, you know, like your mm-hmm. little cousin. It would get looked into. Yes. So every person that investigates crimes like this, you need to think, what if this was my family member? Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you the results for a lot of these cases would be changing. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. And going into that, 
The boy who was with Laureen the night of her disappearance actually committed suicide. He left a note saying he just couldn't take it anymore, which some people take as him being guilty. Some people take it as he knew more than what he was saying. In my opinion, I think he was being blamed for something that he didn't do just because he was at her house. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people just feel guilt because he was probably thinking, you know, if I would have stayed longer, if I would have done this or this, exactly, she'd still be here. It's like survivor guilt. Yeah. Which I feel really sad for the kid because whether he knew something or not does not mean he deserves, he deserved to die. Right. You know, and I feel like if he was on the level of, I want, I'm going to kill myself at that point, he would have already told someone something, you know, I agree. Or left a note saying what he knew. Yeah. Because I feel like it's more of survivor guilt. Exactly. Yeah. In 1986, Judy went to California to look at the motels from the phone calls. And she actually found out that the motels may have been used by Dr. Z, who was known as a child porn king. Um, there isn't much on Dr. Z or, you know, whatever happened to him because, again, he was not looked into, mm. which, shocker. That mm. doesn't surprise me because I feel like half the things that would have been, should have been looked into were not. Well, and I know how I'm going to spend my next layover. I'm going to look into Dr. Z. Yeah. I, you know, I should have actually done more research because I would love to know where he is. Maybe our next podcast will do like a little recap type thing. Mm-hmm. Laureen's childhood friend, Roger, got a call from a girl who said her name was Laureen or Lori, but he wasn't home. So his mom had answered and she wasn't exactly sure on what she had said. The girl on the phone claimed to be an old girlfriend of Roger's, which they actually did date when they were like 12, but I mean, I mean still worth mentioning. I still hold on to some things that when I was 12. So. Yeah, I mean, I was still, <laughs> if, you know, especially at 14, you're still going to say, well, we dated, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet again, that phone call was never looked into. I don't know. All the phone calls are crazy to me. And a lot of people are thinking they're just trolls or whatever. But some of these phone calls, they say, they said things that no one would know Unless except family. Yeah. Like the mic one. That. The, well, that one specifically. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, why, why were things not looked into in this case? As much as they claimed they did, but the biggest things in this case, to me, are the calls, Dr. Z, the doctor, and this miss sprinkle person like they all should have been looked into and vetted but they were not yeah it it just makes me mad right and another thing that i'd like to mention is when i was reading about this is the girl that had stayed the night Mm -hmm. she said that you know she might have gone to the couch to sleep with a pillow and blanket but then was later quoted that she was like you know what i retract everything i said i was so drunk i don't remember anything so a lot of people think that possibly she knows more than what she's saying. Well, yeah. And also it's like, I mean, it's totally like plausible. Like they hear someone coming and so the boy runs out. They don't want to get him in trouble. She doesn't want to get in trouble. She locks the door real quick and hops in the, on the couch and acts like nobody was there. But how did the in- intruder get in the door? If there's no forced entry, did she let that person in? Or is it someone that had access to the house or yeah. the apartment? Because she could have went up and I guess maybe they unscrewed the light bulb and she looks out like the peephole or whatever mm-hmm. thinking. And can't see and so yeah, opens the door. Yeah, and opens the door. They come in and then they go out the back door so neighbors can't see the person taking her away. Yep. Yeah. So like, That's I don't know. That's definitely a possibility. 
but why would more her believable? Friend, yeah, but and then her friend like says that, and then later was like, oh no, none of that happened. Like the in- investigators would be able to tell right away if she was drunk, and then that would kind of skew her. Well, in the reports, it says the the mom could tell she had been drinking. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But that girl, the same girl, did actually describe what she thought Laureen was wearing before she had went to bed and it was a white v-neck sweater a blue plaid blouse with jeans and brown shoes she was also wearing a silver or blue necklace and a heart-shaped golden ring which people argue that she was wearing what she was wearing doesn't sound like night attire like as in pjs um like she maybe was going somewhere yes and so there are three points to that in my opinion one Lorraine's friend went to bed before Lorraine did. Right. So if she went to bed, you know, later, she could have changed. Yeah. Easily. And she, you know, like, her friend's sleeping, and she's hanging out with this older guy or this guy. In general. In general. She's going to look, she wants to look good because Mm -hmm. she might, we don't know if she likes this guy. So she's wanting to look good. Who wants to hang out with a guy if you're trying to make a good impression in their PJs? Mm -hmm. Especially in the 80s. Like, you're not doing that. Maybe Netflix and chill time this time, but like, that's not what they did back then. (laughs) Yep. And then another thing to mention is Lorraine's friend was so drunk that she recalled, she like retracted everything she had said. So... I don't know. It's, like, hard to even believe what she's saying if she's not yeah, and confident it, in what she's saying. Yeah, if she's not confident, it doesn't mean she's lying. It just means that she's just, like, out of her mind. Or yeah. So. Which is fine. But. <laughs> so, I mean, I, we can't take what she said she was wearing to heart, I guess. Yeah. Or um, concrete evidence. And then, also, she was saying that. Or, you know, like, people were saying it's weird that that's what she was wearing if she was supposedly going to bed. Well, when people drink, they fall asleep in whatever they're wearing. Yeah. Or they strip. Like, I would say that's, like, probably your two options. You're in with... Yeah, I I would... I I agree. (laughs) So, I mean, she probably... Like, if she... If the boy left and everything and she... An intruder came in, she probably just fell asleep or left with whatever she was wearing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they... Person just walked in, like, how... Like, in my head, the theory went. Like, obviously, I'm not... detective but there's no evidence she opens the door they force their way in she gets drug out the back door no witnesses no minimal fingerprints she doesn't have time to fight back she's been drinking so well the fact that they didn't even take it as a missing children's case they took it as a runaway i am almost positive they didn't look for evidence like that yeah um they didn't even if they would have two weeks three weeks later it's all tainted really. That's what I mean. Like I don't think they would have even thought to fingerprint doorknobs, doorknobs or anything because they didn't believe that she was a missing child. She just was a runaway. And in an apartment building, yeah, right. Like yeah. if you don't do it right then and there, you're everything you're not you got it. hundreds of people walking in and out of mm-hmm. those buildings. So some theories that are honestly pretty crazy that surround this case is there was a sexual predator in the apartment building that they had lived in, and some people were saying that that possibly could have been something to do with her disappearance, which, yeah, it could have been. Mm -hmm. There was actually a religious cult that would get their hands on children. They were called the Moonies, and they would kidnap children and, quote-unquote, say they were reprogramming them. Ew. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. And... There was also an employee from the corner store that people kind of said that they had lured her out of the apartment. But to me, I feel like 
if that were true, they would have found her. Right. Because it was local. Mm -hmm. There was actually a local serial killer, Terry Peter Rasmussen. To be honest, I'm not sure how to pronounce that last name. Um, And people thought that he had taken her because there was actually a local woman. Her name was Denise Denault. And she was a 26-year-old mother of two who lived just two blocks away from where Laureen and Judy lived. She also disappeared six weeks after Laureen and was never seen again. People said that they looked a lot alike, despite the age difference. And then the FBI agent that Judy had spoke with before also warned her of white slavery that was going around in Manchester at the time. They would just take kids and sell them across, like, out of the country. So he warned her about that, which I thought was very strange. I mean, maybe I'm just really ignorant in that, but, like, I've never really heard of that. Me neither. I've never heard of that. I'm not even saying really. I've never heard of that. But, I mean, all of those rumors, that's, they're all pretty, like, far out there. Except, like... I don't know. I mean, maybe those are a little bit more... The white slavery one, off the wall a little bit. The one about the sexual predator, maybe... I don't think he did it per se. They would have figured that one out pretty quick. Yeah, I feel but like he the might local have ones. had the one. Yeah, he might have been like, "Oh, let me get you Connected involved with Miss Sprinkles or Doctor Z or the, the doctor. doctor." And you know, another thing I was thinking of, is, and we just thought about this. Yeah, literally, is the Doctor Z and the Doctor could be the same person. Yeah, because if he didn't want himself to be known, like, "Oh, this is Doctor Z, the child porn pervert." Yeah, yeah, the child porn king, supposedly, or for the hotline, he could have easily went under the doctor. Well, and that's the thing. you If you're going under the doctor, that's making kids think, oh, this person's educated in sexual health mm-hmm. and they can help me with questions. because And they're safe. Yeah, and it's a safe space because sexual education is not what it is today. And even today, it's still not that great for kids. Exactly. But back then, it's even worse. So kids are calling this hotline thinking, oh, my God, like this guy's going to help me. He's going to mm-hmm. answer these questions. Turns out he is the child sex ring king. Yeah. And then, oh, now he knows, okay, this girl lives here. And mm-hmm. this person is doing this. Now let me find, let me send out someone, kidnap this person who's been asking me questions. And then all of a sudden, now they're in the sex ring and never to be seen again. I mean, that's just a theory. It's not, we don't know for fact, but like that seems really close. And I don't know. It's plausible. Yeah. And the local law enforcement still believes that one of Lorraine's friends knows something, but just has never come forward. To this day, the police supposedly still looks into leads all over the U.S. and even into Canada, but she is still missing. Speaking of Canada, there was actually some sightings there of a prostitute, but she was never ID'd. Like, they never found her again. Mm -hmm. Because the guy said, oh, I saw a girl, looked a lot like her. And then they went to find her and couldn't. Lorraine Ron's case remains open, and anyone with any information is asked to contact the Manchester Police Department or the New Hampshire Department of Justice. And the local numbers for the Manchester Police Department is 603-668-8711, and for the Department of Justice, that is 603-271-3658. And again, if you don't feel comfortable, you want to contact us, you can always email us at crimeconnections at gmail.com or you can message us on Facebook and our Facebook page is Crime Connections. Or even like if you want to create like a fake Instagram because you don't feel comfortable, you can just fake Instagram, send it to Crime mm-hmm. Connections Pod and DM us like all of the information that people give to us. We can pass it along to the correct sources if you don't feel comfortable yes. doing that yourself. And I did try to contact Judy 
to possibly interview her and ask her. And to be honest, I'm not even sure if she's alive. I could not find her whatsoever. So if you're listening, message us. We could definitely still talk to you about the situation. And, you know, I would always love to talk to you anyways. It just blows my mind because we've time and time again come across cases where the police are not taking children missing as seriously as they should. And wouldn't you rather take a missing kid seriously, find them in a few hours, than not take it seriously and never find them at all? Mm-hmm. It That's just what blows my mind because it's like these little things will slip through the cracks which then these kids are never found. Yeah. I feel like it's more prominent from like way back then because now we have like Amber Alerts and things like that. They yeah, take it true. more seriously. But also our technology, you see a kid get swiped from the store on a camera. Okay, you have proof that kid's yeah. gone. Or you see like it's easier now and we're more aware of it now because we just we went through all this where things like Lorene's case. Yeah, exactly. Lessons learned, but it's like it sucks that that person had to be the one to make it a lesson, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, not only that person, but multiple. Multiple. Multiple children. Hundreds, actually. So join us next week when we talk about a case that has been fluctuated in the rumor mill for many flight attendants and really anyone in aviation. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you.